Welcome to The Great People Show, your guide to greatness, your GPS to excellence. Here's your host, J.J. White. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Great People Show. I'm your host, J.J. White, and back in The Great People studio is my co-host, James Muncie. Good morning, Muncie. Morning, J.J. I haven't, I haven't called you Muncie in yeah, a while. Yeah, I'm going to start calling you White. Uh, can we do that anymore these days? I, <laughs> is that allowable? How are you doing this I morning? I mean, it's my last day. Change the subject really fast. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm rising to the occasion, brother. That's good. I'm rising to the occasion. Ri- uh, rise and shine. It's Monday, going into a holiday weekend, so yeah. that's always good. Yeah, yeah. We're on a uh, once again crazy schedule here on the Great People Show. But no matter where you're listening to us, whether it be on uh, radio somewhere here in Richmond. Perhaps the podcast, maybe you're catching us on on Facebook Live, even YouTube. Who knows? Just thank you for being here and allowing us to be a part of your journey every single week. We bring to you the insights and inspirations to living different. And after almost two years, I think I have that memorized. That's good. It's good. You still write it down every week. You, right never know. you never know when I'm going to have a little issue. Yeah. You know, just, just JJ's going to have an issue. And I, I need I need to get back to the words. Well, it's funny because people listen. You know, we or see us. They see we always have these these sheets of paper, which are just like a few bullet points to give us some direction. Mm-hmm. Except for your introduction, which is written out <laughs> word for word every single week I, for a hundred and four episodes now. Watch my eyes, folks. Where, where are my eyes going? Are my eyes going to the paper? Sorry, right. JJ doesn't know it yet. Is he looking at the camera? I feel good. I know. You never know. Sometimes you just got to jump off the ledge. That's true, but uh, you know, you are—it's uh, not a failure, which is kind of what we're talking about today, right? How's that for a transition? Yeah, I love it. Even if you do fail, even if you do screw up, so what? That's right. I mean, did anybody? Here's your checklist. Did anybody die? No. Mm. Did anybody get hurt? Maybe. Can they be fixed? Yes. Well, what's the big deal? Exactly. I mean, it's not like you—it's not like we're doctors or we're flying jets off of an aircraft carrier. I mean, those kind of screw-ups can get, well, expensive yeah. and, bad and, and deadly. But everything else in our life, we take so freaking seriously. We take failure so seriously. I guess we should, right? Nobody wants to screw up. Nobody does, and there are different, you know, let's face it, there are different levels of failure. I mean, they're, like you're saying, we're not taking jets off of aircraft carriers, but, you know, there are some failures that can result in, in you know, financial disaster and change the course and quality of your life and your family's life. And then there are uh, then there are types of failures that, like you said, are are less of a big deal that yeah. we tend to exaggerate. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm on this failure thing because our last show was on self pity. Yeah. And we spent a fair amount of time talking about is is pity a good thing? Is it not a good thing? When it is a good thing, when can you do it? How long can you do it? And all that stuff. And pity always comes from failure, mm. really. I mean, well, I guess not always. I guess some people could pity themselves for just about anything. Right. But the context that we were doing on the show was that pity comes from screwing up and failing and not being where you want to be. And I just thought it would be appropriate to talk about, okay, so once you've started to move through this, or maybe not once you've – how do you get out of this self-pity? Like how do you really rise? And this week I was reading a book, and in it had a quote that said, out of the wreck I rise. Mm -hmm. Now the wreck can be anything, right? your, Your life can be a wreck. That, that relationship you're in can be a wreck. Generally speaking, perhaps you're a wreck. And we don't have to always be a wreck. I mean, we can just have moments of wreck, right? Yep. Just like f- failure, 
screwing things up. And then all of a sudden, we say, oh, woe is me. Our ship has wrecked. Everything is is horrible. And how do we how do we rise from that? And how do we pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and really do different, be different, so that we can have different? And here it comes live different yep. because that's our theme on the show. And I didn't put it on the backdrop because I've been putting the hashtag live different on the backdrop. But I just we we've never been able to use a word on the show that's like our our core theme that's so short. So I wanted to see how big I could get it. Yeah, and it's uh. It, it doesn't look as big on the screen, by, or, or on, on the video, by the way. I mean, it's really huge to us, but it it's is. like kind of tiny on the screen. I don't know. It's miracles of modern movie making, I guess. So, um, you know, thought process is along here when it comes to failure and, and screwing things up. Failure is only a small delay towards your eventual success, but we don't take it that way. We take it as our, our ship is wrecked. We can't go anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, failure is only a small delay toward your eventual success if you can get over the failure and rise from it. Mm-hmm. If, you know, there are people who let fail- failure destroy them. That does happen, and we should recognize that. It's what we're going to talk about today is how to make sure that failure is only a small delay toward your eventual success. Yep. we got some good quotes for you. We've got uh, a whole lot of technique on where your mind needs to be, how to think different so that you can do different and, and be different because this whole overcoming failure thing, well, you're you're facing it every day. I, I can't imagine anybody listening right now not screwing up something today. Mm-hmm. Really. It, yes. it's You have to expect it. Like, I already you, have. Don't worry. Oh, it's early, bro. I know. Okay. Well, hey, get it out of the way, right? Yeah, I mean, hopefully. statistically, you're going to screw something up. Do it at 6 a.m. That way you don't have to worry about it for the rest of the day, especially right before you go to bed and then it keeps you up all night. That's true. That's true. That's true. Right? Yep. Um one of my uh, one of my favorite quotes on failure comes from our big friend O, the Oprah Winfrey. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as failure. Failure is just life trying to move us in another direction. And I think we forget about that. I one one of the segments at the very end of the show talks about what you learn on the way up. There's right. a lot to be learning on the way up. Well, we have to kind of get into the uh, we we have to get to the bottom. Hopefully, not the bottom of the barrel. That's that's not a good place to be. But as I heard one time someone say, hey, if you're at the bottom of the barrel, barrel, the only uh, the only place you get to look is up. So that's the, the, the positive side from it. I found this website, James, called successgroove.com. Mm-hmm. Kind of groovy. Got a little tie-dye thing to it. At least that's how I think. There's no tie-dye on, this, on the site, but it kind of felt that way when I was reading it. This guy has nine ways to rise from the ashes of failure. And, and I like the word ashes because it makes it feel like the whole thing burned down. Mm. Are you a Game of Thrones fan by chance? I've never seen a single episode. No, seriously. I'm serious. How do you deal with all these people posting on social media about it? Do you ignore it? I barely get on social media. Well, that's one way to do it. Do you have any intention of watching this show? Yeah, I'd like to someday. Oh, dude. My wife and I watch very little TV. Like, we've been trying to get through the first two seasons of um, Ozark now for, like, the last, like, three months. Never heard of it. Yeah, it's another huge show. Okay, well... There you go. It's, it's all in the packs that we travel, I guess. Yeah. Well, so, anyway, there, recently there was an episode where a lot of stuff burned down. So mm-hmm. when I thought of that, the ashes. I got you. You know, from, from failure. And the show, of course, as we record the show, or if you're catching it live, the, the series finale was last night. Mm-hmm. And as, as, as always, there's controversy everywhere. But anyway, I digress. So nine ways to rise from the ashes of failure. Number one, which I think is one of the more obvious things. Well, you know, let me back up. Let me back up. If you read a lot or if you go on blogs 
and, and read on the internet, the, the like shorter, when I say read a lot, I meant like books, but if you go on blogs and look at shorter articles on things, it's always going to list things that seem obvious. Like, well, duh. The challenge that I think we all face as people is we don't stop and actually kind of go through a checklist on things. We just we just roll with things. Yeah. And number one is one of those Captain Obvious moments where it says, learn from your failure. But I don't think we do learn a, a lot. I don't think most people learn enough from their failure. Let, let, me, let me put it to you that way, because we want to put it so far behind us. Like, yeah. Once we're over it or over it enough, we try to tuck it away. Mm-hmm. We try to put it in our pocket and and just get it out of there because we don't want to have to face that again. But there is a huge le- – I, I, I think if you spend enough time not dwelling on your failure, but if you spent enough time focusing on the value of that failure, then it'll actually help you in multiples later on instead of trying to bury the past. I mean, what do you think about that? No, I totally agree. I mean, it's – it's human nature, and there, there. You talk about books. There are endless books written about society as a whole's failure to learn from failure. Right. That's why so many of us repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And you know, truly learning and having a, a, a debrief. Uh, you know, in in our in our company last week, we had kind of a debacle. Uh, oh, we had a situation. Yeah, a lot of things went wrong. Uh, cost many thousands of dollars to fix uh, in order to make sure that the customer was still happy. And so uh, on Wednesday last week, I called a meeting and we got every single person in the room who touched this situation. Right in the invite to this meeting, I said, "This this is not a blame session. This is so that we can make sure this never happens again. And we sat there and walked through everything that happened and where things were missed and, mm-hmm. and why we failed and, and hopefully changed a, tweaked a couple things to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Um, like you said, we really if, if you don't take time to do something like that, then you doom yourself to the same sort of failure again. I'm curious in that situation, and I don't know if you can talk about it or not, because it could get lengthy as far as how that screw up happened. But are there people involved in those situations or a person involved that all of a sudden takes ownership of it and they just kind of like destroy themselves over the mistake? Or have you seen that in the past? I've, I've certainly seen that in the past. I mean, in this case, it didn't really happen. There were there were multiple things that that went wrong, and the people the people who had a part in it owned it. They did own it. They didn't. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's kind of our culture to. In, in in our company, not to get overly uh, overly protective of yourself. Um, Good, you know we're we're not going to start firing people because of a, a simple mistake. Um, but yeah, you sometimes you do have that person who throws himself on the sword, so to yeah, speak. That's right, that's a good way. That, that's the analogy because it's to them, it's the biggest thing ever. Yeah, right? their 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 ship has wrecked. You've probably found yourself in situations where you've made a mistake and you thought that's it. I'm yep. going to get fired. I'm going to lose this relationship. Like it just gets amplified in our in our mind in our life because the good thing is because we're taking something so seriously. The bad thing is we over exaggerate the consequences of our right. failure, um, which leads us to the second one on this list, which is forge ahead. And it's completely normal to feel like giving up when you're going through failure. Like that's just the natural reaction is, well, I'm done. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna quit. But what does forging ahead actually look like? 
I mean, it's sometimes it's um, mentally forging ahead by saying, I'm not going to think about this anymore. Sometimes it's emotionally forging ahead by um, not letting the negative emotions continue to rise inside. And the other part of this, I think, of forging ahead is making amends with the people that perhaps you were surrounded by with, with failure. Because a lot of times, James, our failures impact other people tremendously. Like if you were to take a big risk in your family and, and it would turn into a big failure, like a business risk or something, that's going to that's gonna affect your wife, that's going to affect your kids. And sometimes we try to retreat from them in those relationships because we're ashamed of what we've done. Part of this forging ahead is laying the stinky fish out on the table and saying, I can't let this happen again. And the second part of, of what you said on, on the forge ahead is it's completely normal to feel like giving up when you're first hit by failure. And and it is our nature to want to do the easiest thing. And the easiest thing a lot of the times when we fail is to is to quit, is to give up. And even if you're somebody who it's not in your nature to do that, it will probably even for a split second enter your mind. Oh yeah. That you know, well well shoot, I could just walk away from this. Yeah. Um because that's that's the easy way out. And we have to we have to overcome that and because that is rarely if ever the right answer. I'm wondering if forging ahead for some situations and some people is just walking away. Could be. Yeah. I mean, maybe the failure was just so big and so bad that it's like your best path is just to walk away. Mm-hmm. I I can't imagine it, but because I'm not, to me, it's given up. Well, now we should clarify something though. Forging forging ahead does not mean that you should forge ahead in the same direction that led you to fail. <laughs> now there are there are definitely times in life where it's time to know when to throw in the towel. Yeah, you know, hey, this idea didn't work. This product, this business, this relationship. It, you could name infinite things that there there are times that that yes we do need to to walk away from that situation mm-hmm. we're not saying that there's no such thing as as a time to to move on from something it's yeah. it's a matter of just completely giving up versus you know finding a different direction that is going to be successful and learning what went wrong in that failure so that we don't do it again that starts to remind me of number three on this list. Surround yourself with with good failure. Uh, listen to me. Good people. There's such thing as good failure, but that's not what the paper said. Nope. Surround yourself with good people mm-hmm. because when in failure, good people will guide you down the right direction. You know, if you've got good mentors, good coaches, people that are going to breathe into your life and say in not so many words, okay, now that you've screwed that up, what are you going to do next? Because you'll have some people that run, right? You'll have some people that will be like, I'm I'm not going to be a part of this anymore. They will just leave your life. You have some people that will give you some really horrible advice. Um, And and it's hard to know whether it's horrible until it's after it's happened. But then you have other people that will stick by your side. You have other people that will give you the, the, the better path forward. And you know, James, I've always learned that the the good people in my life during failure aren't necessarily the ones that are going to tell me what to do next, even if I ask. The good people are going to be the ones that help me figure it out for myself. Yeah, I agree. And hopefully that those people are, are also not people who are just going to 
blindly tell you that what you're doing is right and you know that when it is your fault they would say it's not your fault jj and you know we have a tendency to to want to do that and i think it's important that we surround ourselves with good people who are also being honest with us who are close enough with us that they're not scared to give their honest opinion Mm. out of the wreck i rise so it depends on how many people want to hang out at the wrecked ship to say let's get this thing back going man yeah or the ones that are going to jump overboard and say, you're on your own, pal. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Uh, I'm not hanging in there with you. It's unfortunate that during times of trials and tribulations and sometimes what it seems like complete and utter failures, we have people just walk out of our life. But I'm glad they left. Oh, I was going to say, there, there's nothing There's nothing better than a situation like that to really t- show you who your true friends are. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't... I don't it stinks when it happens, but in the long term, that is, in my experience, always a positive. So another item here is how to rise from the ashes of failure is to set goals. Mm. Is Okay, so something has just crashed in your life. Something has just completely bombed. Most of the time, the next question you ask yourself over and over and over and over is, where do I go from here? Right. Like what what's what's next? Because I thought this was the right path. I thought this was the right thing that I was gonna do. And now now I'm I'm kind of lost. And unfortunately, it's not common for us or even easy for us to sit in that pile of ash and say, okay, well, these are all the things that I need to do next. These are all the things that I want to do, because we are emotionally, attitudinally, and sometimes physically demoralized during these these times of failures. The the best thing you can do for yourself is to really start looking at contingency plans. Okay, well, this clearly didn't work out the way that I wanted it to. Where can I go next? And the biggest barrier to this is confidence. When you go through failure, you start to believe that you can't do anything right, or no matter what, the next thing I do is not going to be right, when in fact, that is the best moment for you to be able to achieve some of the greatest things in your life because you have now found maybe sometimes your biggest weaknesses. Your your biggest failures are going to show you the things that you need to work on the most rather than if you don't have a failure, you've got really strong fake sense of security that would have gotten you in trouble if you would have kept going. So goals is is a huge thing. You know, it's funny because I don't think most people set goals any time, No, and we, we talk a lot about writing those things down. Yeah. Write them down. Um, by the way, just some advice from Facebook Live right now. Um, Mark Nicoletti said that uh, the way he overcomes failure is to suck it up, buttercup, and move ahead. Mm. We talked about that last week. Yeah. Suck it up, buttercup. Yep. Maybe that's where he got it. He Maybe. was listening last week. I don't know. That's common. So next on this list is visualize your dreams. This goes into the goals section. Goals are going to be more immediate, in your face, um, what do I do next kind of activities. But a lot of times we don't we don't even really know what our dreams are, or a lot of people aren't in dreams because they're a little too lofty. But um, the the dreams can overcome these negative thoughts that you have in times of failure, and it's really important to um, overcome that that creep because the failure is going to bring one after another after another of negative thoughts that's going to keep you from even taking one step further, really. Um, and then be enthusiastic. Man, what what kind of advice is this? Be enthusiastic during failure? What? That doesn't make any sense. It does run a little contrary to the way that most of us react. You know, when you first set out to achieve something big, chances are you approach the task at hand with a great deal of enthusiasm, right? So when you fail, 
you need to have enthusiasm about overcoming that failure. And like, mm-hmm. you will probably be in any mood but to react that way. But if you can overcome and you can you can choose to act, to be that way, uh, I, I think you rise out of it a lot faster. One of the points that we want to make here is up until the point of failure, you were probably very enthusiastic about the path you were on. Like that's how it got you to that point of failure is your enthusiasm, your drive, and your passion. And then all of a sudden you screw something up. All of a sudden you make a big mistake. All of a sudden you drop the ball somewhere. And that enthusiasm just gets completely sucked out of your life. Well, all we're suggesting is go right back to that moment before failure and get that enthusiasm back. It's there. You've already proven to yourself that you have it. And now if you didn't have any enthusiasm to begin with, that might have been one of the things that led to failure. Yeah. And maybe it was, it was destined to stop, if that's the case. But just go back to those moments. I, I tend to do an archaeological dig, James. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not always the healthiest thing, because sometimes we can, as Dale Carnegie said, remember today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. Yeah. So we can get a little too caught up in the past often. But it, it's important to remember that we've had so many great moments of success, and we forget about that whenever we screw something up. The only thing that we get really focused in on is that one thing, and that's tragic. That's absolutely tragic. Uh, Another element here to rise from the ashes of failure is to write it down, Mm -hmm. journal it. Man, I've got this old journal. Actually, I got rid of it because I got sick of having it around. I I felt it was a bad omen. But I had this one journal where I wrote down all the bad things that were happening to me. This was like years ago in my life. And I went back and looked at it probably a year ago. I was like, oh, my gosh. Wow, that was bad. I got, rid yeah. of the, I got rid of the journal, but it wasn't really the fact of keeping the journal that mattered. It was the ability to write it down and to put this stuff out because writing is very therapeutic. Writing can get things out of you. Most of you struggle with failure by things rolling around in your head just yeah. over and over, and you wonder why you can't sleep at night, that... I, I promise you, if you just go and write it down, that takes care of like 90% of that problem. Yep. Just get it out. It's like a plug that you just unplug from your, mm-hmm. your brain, and all of a sudden it just drains out, and you're like, okay, I can move on now. Right. Because a lot of people can't move on from these, these, these failures. Um, and then the antithesis of that advice that I just gave you on uh, archaeological dig, dig is don't dwell in the past. The past doesn't have to be your present or your future, but I do believe that we should study the past and use it as a tool to help us overcome things that um, we're dealing with today because we didn't spend enough time thinking about the past. Yeah, I I mean, where we've come from is always going to have a huge impact uh, with where we're going. Yeah. And we've got to, we've got to look back, but... We have a tendency to to put ourselves in a lane that that where we've been has to dictate where we're going, mm-hmm. what our future is, and that's that's just not the case. You can choose to reinvent yourself. You can choose to take those experiences and become bigger from it, and to enact real change out of it. You just have to be write it down, like we just said, and be very intentional about changing the course. And if people could all do that, um, I, I mean, I think you you get so much more out of life. And and if you look at some of the most successful people uh, in our in our world, 
their story tends to be riddled with tremendous failures. Yes. Some of some of the it's required. You know, you look at you want to talk about from a money standpoint. Some of the wealthiest people in the world mm-hmm. have had failures that that are, make make my failures look like absolutely nothing. <laughs> and wouldn't trade them. And you know, it's funny because if if you read interviews with so many of these people, they'll say, you know, th- that failure taught me the lessons that I needed in order to achieve this level of Amen. success. They were just smart enough to to change that course and not let that failure dictate their future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I think a big element of what we're talking about here, maybe the biggest element, is how do we disrupt our thought patterns in the midst of this of this failure? Yeah, um, you get down to that lowest common denominator on what happens during some of your worst times. And it doesn't. And you know what? I shouldn't. I shouldn't always be focused on your worst times. It could be the small things. It's like dying of a thousand cuts, right? It could be the small little failures that you have just through the course of a day. But our mind goes to very specific places. It gets to pity, like we talked about in our last episode. It gets to uh, blaming other people. That's another huge problem here when we have a failure. And what we need to do is take our normal course of thinking and disrupt it and really screw it up. And that's going to require intentional and disruptive living. Okay, I'm going to go write this down. I normally wouldn't go write it down, but I'm going to go write it down. Mm. That's something that will be helpful, but most important is it's just going to change the way you normally would handle a situation because you can't live a different life unless you're willing to do different things. Right, And a major tractor beam on this that just sucks us in. I got I hate to say it, but um failure can feel good and be therap and 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 comfortable. Like just wallowing in the misery makes us feel like it's going away. It feels good because we feel like we've earned it. We feel like we've deserved it. Woe is me. It's really difficult to get out of that cesspool sometimes. I mean that goes back to what we about last, last week. Last week. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. So this week's show is about changing all those things, really kicking over the apple cart. Um, the last one on this list, and some of you may be thinking, well, that's that's easy. I do that all the time, is think about the worst-case scenario. <laughs> I mean, most people do think of the worst-case scenario. But um, even Dale Carnegie said, uh, expect the worst and then improve on it. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Sometimes failure happens and we're not expecting it. It's on something that, you know, maybe we never thought possible. But in every, certainly in every business enterprise I've ever been involved in, I have laid out with myself, with my spouse, with any of my business partners, what that worst case scenario is. Yeah. Like we, we get that on the table early. Like if, if we are horribly wrong about all of this and, and this just, goes bad and we fail. Yep. Here's what that looks like in the worst possible outcome. Mm-hmm. And and if that were to happen, you're able to put a plan together to say, okay, well, God forbid that happens. Here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And and you have that and you have that worked out. Right? And then and then when failure does show up, what happens? Oh, this could have been a lot worse. Or, well, we can't say we didn't see it coming. Yeah. And there's something comforting to know that you were prepared for it. 
that there's I I think we get really trapped because we were surprised by failure. Yep. Like we didn't see it coming. We didn't expect it. Really, I think we did see a lot of failure coming. We just hoped it never would show up, and we tricked ourselves. Yeah, or at the very least, we recognized it as a possible outcome. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't when you're going into something, folks. I believe very strongly that you should you should always dwell on the positive. You should always dwell on making it successful. You shouldn't go into something being scared and hypersensitive about mm-hmm. failure. I think when you do that, you raise your chances of failing, I quite honestly. I totally agree. But as part of your overall plan, you want to recognize what that worst-case scenario should be recognize it, understand it, get as comfortable with it as you can, and then put put that in a drawer somewhere and, and drive toward the positive. The mind is so powerful. The mind can drive us towards everything that we could ever want to have happen. It could also drive us towards everything we'd never want to have happen. And when we get into these situations where you have an opportunity to plan for the worst possible case scenario, what starts to happen is you start to see the weaknesses in your path. Mm -hmm. You start to see the cracks and the crevices and the things that would screw you up, and you actually can get ahead of a little bit. James, I think the mind can be so powerful that we only see the most optimistic, what we want to see happen, happen, and we trick ourselves into thinking nothing can go wrong. We become invincible. We become indestructible. And then when we crash, brother, we crash hard. You're right. And and that's why, you know, it's important to it's important to understand that possible worst case scenario. But you just said, JJ, we we have a tendency, we have a tendency to imagine only the imagination. But we have a tendency to imagine only the success, which is which is a good thing. I mean, that was on that list. Visualize your dreams. That's that's a huge that's a huge part of it. You want to do that. You want to mm-hmm. embrace that because seeing that vision through is so often our 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 path to success. Yeah. But but again, have have that have that out there. You know, there's a reason that we all have life insurance. You know, <laughs> I mean that that life insurance is there for that for that worst of worst case scenarios. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't wake up every morning thinking about you know death. You know, thank God, but you know, I've got that policy, God forbid, just in case, worst case scenario of anything would be that. I like what uh, what Scott Kennedy put on Facebook Live just now. Failure is a part of the journey that leads us to the destination called sex. It's a, it's, whoa, hey, hey, whoa, calm down now, called success. Mm. And, um, you know, what is that, what does that journey look like? Yeah. Have you, have you planned that journey out? Have you describe to yourself what that destination looks like. Another motivational quote for you in this show is uh, from Michael Jordan. I can accept failure. Everyone fails at something, but I can't accept not trying. Yeah. So let's start talking a little bit more. I mean, we've been talking about it, but let's start talking even more about what we can do to try to be more successful when it comes to failure. Um, I found this nice list of things that we can speak to be better at empowering your mind, because we have absolute default on what we say to ourselves whenever we're down and out. Yep. I mean, it's your brain is wired to say these really negative things when you're down and out, and we, we have to be very, very conscious of the words that are coming out of our mouth. 
Um, so there's one, two, three, four, five, six. There's nine things on this list, but as I was reviewing them, I thought of like 30 more. So I would actually love to hear from our audience. You can always email me at jj at greatpeopleshow.com, by the way, on things that you will tend to say to yourself that uh, will counteract what your mind is saying, because that's the most powerful tools that we can have is controlling our mind and what we say to ourselves. So how do we speak in ways that empower our mind? Rather than say, I should, say, I could. Rather than say, I hope, say, I will. Rather than say, it's not my fault, say, I am responsible for my life. We've talked about that earlier in the show about blaming others. Rather than saying, this is a big problem, say to yourself, this is a big opportunity. And rather than saying, life is a struggle, say, life is an adventure. Rather than saying, this is terrible, which, by the way, I've caught myself saying way too many times, mm. say, this is a learning experience. Rather than, rather than saying, if only, say to yourself, next time. Rather than saying it's hopeless, say, I will find ways to open new doors. And finally, rather than saying, this is a bitter experience, say, I want to learn and grow from this experience. James, there's like a hundred things you can put on this list. Oh, yeah. Of negative self-talk, we 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 had a whole show on on self-talk. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that or not. Yeah, we're getting kind of old now. I mean, you got some old-time shows out there, but um, it's a very very powerful tool in our abilities to rise from the ashes of failure. Um, out of the wrecked ship, I rise. So we have just a few minutes left on the show, and I wanted to cover something that I was thinking about in preparation that I I feel is very powerful, which is what you'll, what you'll find on the rise, mm. what you'll see, what you'll hear, what you'll learn. Because the main reason we probably don't rise from failure as fast as we should is because we don't really see the journey. We don't know what it's going to look like. Yep. So one of the things that you're going to find on that rise, you're going to find new people. We talked earlier in the show that you have to be surrounded by positive people uh, if you're going to rise from any kind of failure. And usually in the midst of failure is when some of those people are going to drop off. I've also found that in the midst of that failure, new people will show up. Mm -hmm. People that have been brought into your life to breathe sometimes a whole new spirit into you. This happens at multiple phases in our life, right? If you if if you grow up and 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 then you uh, become an adult and then you get married, then you typically will find new friends whenever you become married. Then when you have kids, then you typically will find new friends when you have kids because your life situation has changed. The same thing applies whenever you have gone through some sort of failure. But folks, sometimes you have to look for these people. Sometimes you have to really notice who is different here for me today that wasn't here yesterday that is here for a reason. So new people will come into your life. Something else that will happen to you uh, in the midst of the burning ashes of failure are new opportunities. And, and James, I don't know if you've ever felt this way or noticed this, but I have found that whenever I am down and out and in the sometimes the bottom of the barrel or or really something bad has happened, that I'll start to see things that I didn't see before. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I think that it, in my experience as well, things tend to things tend to present themselves to you when you're in that situation because you tend to be looking for them a little bit more. In fact, one thing personal in my life, which could be a whole other topic that I've tried to do, is spend more of my time looking for opportunities when things are great 
because yeah, we tend yep. to we tend to see them more when when things aren't so great. But yeah. you're absolutely right. And if things and if things are going really great for us, we may we, we just aren't looking that often. Right. We we don't we don't think we have to. Right. And it's only when we have to start looking for new opportunities that we start to see them. And sometimes it's frustrating because those new opportunities have been around us the whole time, but we got lazy. They have. And and the only thing with these new opportunities that that come is not developing a grass is always greener mm. complex to think that whatever that opportunity is must be bigger than what I'm in, which goes to, you know, one of my favorite things that if you if you're a regular listener of the show, you've heard me say a million times, which is making decisions for one of two reasons, right? We're either running away from something or we're running towards something. Do not run away from that failure run toward success. And if you think that that is so obvious, I promise you it's not. Mm-mm. No, it's not. It makes no sense in most cases. And one of the, the the next thing that will show up or what you'll find on the rise is you'll find new gifts. Literally, you will find parts of you that you never knew existed. You never had to exercise that muscle until you were in failure. And then once you realize that you have this gift, and, and by the way, Oftentimes, you're not even going to notice you have this gift because you're just surviving. Like, literally, you're just doing what you instinctively know to do in this situation. But all of a sudden, something is starting to work. So really pay attention to these strengths and these gifts that you have in times of failure. Sometimes it's fortitude. Sometimes it's uh, sometimes it is writing, James. We talked earlier yep. about writing things down. A lot of people don't realize that they have the gift of writing until they literally have nothing left in them but to be able to write that down. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden someone says, you know, you're pretty good at that. I have a friend right now. She's she's on the pathway to write a book because she's she took on writing th- in, in failure. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's going to lead to a book in her, in her case. She wouldn't have gone this path if it wasn't for that failure. And to me, this fourth one on this list of what you'll find on the rise... It's something very close to my heart. I think it's the most important thing on this list is you're going to find your calling. Yep. You're going to realize in in the lowest points of your life of exactly why you're placed on this earth because usually things are going too well for you. And in pay attention to what that is, seek it out and chase it because it is what you were designed to do on this earth. Man, what a show. We're out of time, dude. We got to go. We do. I got lots to do today. It's a wonderful day. Yeah, we have we have some mistakes to go make so that we can that's go right. get ourselves out of them. I that's mean, that's right. the glory of it all. We want to thank you all for being here and being a part of our show. You can check us every week on our website at greatpeopleshow.com. We come to you on the radio. We're on podcast, Facebook Live. If you do listen to our podcast, please stop and take a moment and give us a review, especially if it's a five-star. Gosh, if it's a five-star, go do it right now. So thanks, everyone. Thanks, James. Thanks, buddy. We'll see you next time. See ya! Thanks for joining us. Tune in to The Great People Show again next week 